It was the night of Jesus' betrayal, the night before he died. He had gathered with his disciples to share a last supper. While they were at table, he took a towel and a basin and washed their feet. When he returned to the table, he told them that one of them would betray him. You can imagine when they heard that they were deeply troubled. But as the meal went on, it became clear that Judas was the one who would betray him. And at that point, Judas got up and left the meal and went out to do his deed. Then Jesus told them that he was going away. He was going away to a place that they could not come, at least not yet. But he said to them, in the meantime, you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So that everyone can see in your love that you are my disciples. Then Peter spoke up and said, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. That is the context in which our lesson for today, our gospel for today comes. The words immediately before our gospel are, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Then Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Think of that. We often read those words out of context. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But they're in the context of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, of Judas' betrayal, of the love command, and the prophecy that Peter would deny him. And if you read Mark's gospel, that all the rest of them would abandon him. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In that sentence, there are three imperatives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, if you just look at that all by itself, it, it comes off as a, as a command, a demand, huh? Buck up! Come on, buck up, folks! Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But when you put it in the context of betrayal, denial, and failure, of their betrayal, denial, and failure, of your betrayal, denial, and failure, my goodness, it's good news. It's good news. Let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. 
Believe in the one that you've known for these last three years, huh? Believe in the one who has forgiven your sins. Believe in the one who associates with, with tax collectors and sinners. Believe in the one who would not condemn the woman taken in adultery. Believe in me. I know already that you will betray me, deny me, abandon me. I know that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I know I do. He's not saying it's okay to betray me, deny me, abandon me. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, I know that's going to happen. That's what he's saying. I know you folks. You, all of you folks. I know who you are. I remember once when I was in, I think it was my first or second year in university, my literature teacher, literature teacher, who was a lovely lady, about 50 years old, a wonderful, a single woman, actually. I can't remember how, why she said this, but, but she, was, she, she was a very solid Christian woman. And she said, if someone came in and, and threatened my life, I would not deny my faith. I thought, good luck. Good luck. Because I don't think any of us can say that with any certainty. We don't know how we respond. Most of us are weak. Don't let your heart be troubled. The one who knows you better than you know yourself says to you, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. Believe in the, in the one who's walked with you for three years, or for 30 years, or whatever. The one who loves you, forgives you, who has laid down his life for you. Trust him. And do not let your heart be troubled. He goes on to say some wonderful words. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I will come again to take you to myself. I doubt if there is a, 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 a lesson in scripture that is used more often in funerals than that one. I, I guess in my past, 40 some years of ministry, that, that gospel has been used more times at funerals than any other along with the 23rd Psalm and one or two others, but yeah. And it, it works well at a funeral, but I'm not sure it's about funerals. I think it's about this same business of betrayal, denial, abandonment, cowardice. He's saying to those people, those, those disciples who are about to do that, there's a place for you. I have a place for you in my Father's house. There are many room places. Even for you, and you, and you, for all of you. Even when you betray me, abandon me, deny me, there's a place for you. I have a place for you. And, you know, we can talk about where that place is. Is it somewhere there or in Jesus, or God's bosom? I, I couldn't care less. There is a place for you. That's what he's saying. 
We don't need to talk about real estate, that's fine. Somewhere there is a place for you, whoever you are. Not only is there a place for you, he says, I will come again and take you to myself. He, he won't leave you, he won't leave you in the lurch. That's what he's saying. He will not leave you. No matter what happens, it's okay. And again, I shouldn't have to say this. This is not an encouragement to be disloyal or anything of the sort, to, to be sinners or to do it. When things fall apart, he's still with you guys. He doesn't leave you. I will come again and take you to myself. Thomas just didn't get it. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, these are important words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I could spend some time here talking about the way, the truth, and the life. Those are all good biblical words. All good biblical words. And they all have... Have a, have a meaning. What's the most important part in that, that little sentence? It's the first two words. I am. What's God's name? I am. I am. I am. It's all about who? Can you say it? Jesus! Say it. Jesus! Yes. It's about Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is, uh-oh, what's it say now? If you know me, you will know my Father also. Jesus is this God in our midst. God in our midst. To know Jesus is to know God. Think of what that means. If, if you live with this, this, this vision of this judgmental God up there, that this, this angry God, this whatever, this something out there that's, I don't, heaven knows what that something is. Probably everyone has it in their picture. Just put that away. Who do you need to know? Jesus. I can't hear you. Jesus. Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know all you need to know about that God. That's what he's saying. Jesus who loves sinners, forgives sinners, eats with tax collectors. The Jesus who restores the sick, gives the blind their eyes, the deaf their hearing. That's the Jesus. That's what you need to know. That's what he's saying. You troubled people. You deniers. Abandoners. Betrayers. Cowards. This is all you need to know. Jesus is the one you need to know. Yes. Philip said, see, they just don't get it. And boy, I hope you guys know it. Read the Gospels, read them through. And these people, these wonderful saints we call apostles, and they are so stupid sometimes. You know, Mark's Gospel is the best for that. In Mark's Gospel, they are just dumb all the way through. But in all the Gospels, they aren't the sharpest tools in the shed. They really aren't. So Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. 
Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? Have I been with you all this time and you still don't know me? Have you been with him all this time? Do you know him? He's the one who loves you, forgives you, who has a place for you in the kingdom, who will never let you go, who's coming back again to get you and take you home. I forgot to say a minute ago, I'll just I'll throw it in right now because it's so good. You know, I'll come and welcome you into my father's home. Do you remember the story in Luke that Jesus tells about the boy who goes away and wastes everything, wastes his whole life, wastes money, wastes his life, and what happens when he returns home? The father jumps off the front porch, runs out to meet him, puts his arms around him, hugs him, kisses him, says, put a robe on him, shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, slaughter the fatted calf. Why? Because we welcome him home. My son who is lost has now been found. That's the way it is. That's what Jesus is saying. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. There's a place for you. Whoever you are, whatever your past, there's a place for you. And again, he says almost the same words. He says to Philip what he said, what he said to Thomas. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I've said it to you, well, some of you have heard it many times. For us, we don't see with our eyes, we see with our ears and our heart. We can't see Jesus with our eyes, but we see with our ears. We see him in the stories that are told, the words that are proclaimed. And whoever has seen me, when you know the stories of Jesus, you know who your heavenly father is. Don't, don't, don't fool around with some kind of philosophy of who your father is apart from Jesus. Just take that out of your head and look at Jesus. Whoever's seen Jesus has seen the father. Now there's, I'm moving through this very fast, but the very last verse, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, again, if you take that verse all by itself, what does it sound like? Well, it sounds like you're all going to be miracle workers, doesn't it? You're going to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and restore the lame? I don't think so. What are the great works you can do? What are the great works that you can do? Love one another as I have loved you. Welcome the sinner. Forgive the one who has, who has, who has been mean to you. Those are the great works he's talking about. They're the great works that he did. Make a place for those who have no place. Welcome them into your home, into the Father's home, into your church. 
welcome them. I, what, over the many years I've come to one of the terrible sins of the church, and it's a kind of unseen sin. I, I know it's been true in my ministry over the years. We look for people just like us, and we welcome them. Who don't we welcome? People who aren't like us. Whites don't welcome blacks. Blacks don't welcome whites. Uh, straights don't welcome gays. Gays don't welcome straight. I mean, you just go right down the list, can't you? We like to welcome people who are just like us. Do what Jesus welcome all kinds of people. In our Father's house, there's what? What are there? Many rooms, many dwelling places. There's room for everybody. All kinds of people. Women and men, rich and poor, fat and slim. There's room for all kinds of people. And every one of them, every one of us, is a sinner, a denier, a betrayer, probably a coward in our own way. But what's his word? What, what are his words? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there's room for everybody. Amen.